Hey, welcome back to Uncrime Pod, the podcast where we talk about hicks and crooks. My name is Henny and I will be your host today. Uh, today I'm going to tell you a story about something pretty damn sad that happened. Um, this is a story about Elizabeth Olton. She was a nine-year-old fourth grader who lived in St. Martin's, Missouri with her mom, Patty, her brother, Anthony, and her sister, Stephanie. Um, Elizabeth was a sweet little girl. She loved animals. She loved the color pink. She loved to dress up. Um, and on October 21st, 2009, Elizabeth was practicing lines for a school play while her mom cooked supper. And around 5 p.m., six-year-old Emma Bustamante, Elizabeth's friend, comes over and asks if Elizabeth can go out and play. The house Emma lived in with her siblings and grandparents was only about four houses down, and it was pretty commonplace for the girls to play at each other's houses or explore the wooded area behind their homes. Well, Patty told Emma no because dinner would be ready soon, but as kids do, Emma and Elizabeth started pleading and begging, and Patty finally gave in and said to Elizabeth, you have to be home by six o'clock for supper. So, Patty started to worry when Elizabeth wasn't home by 6, and it was already getting dark outside because, you know, it's October in the Midwest. And, um, you know, Elizabeth didn't like the dark, so Patty was pretty worried. So, she called Emma's grandma, Karen Brooks, and said something like, hey... Could you please either let me talk to Elizabeth or send her home for me because she went with Emma to play. And Karen was like, um, Emma's home and I haven't seen Elizabeth. So Patty hangs up and immediately calls the police because, you know, she just knows something's wrong. She's got that, that mom intuition and she just knows that Elizabeth could have gotten lost in the woods or, you know, whatever and it's getting dark and she's nervous for her daughter so she calls and police and firefighters and volunteers go out and they search the neighborhood and the woods and they couldn't find her and patty was calling elizabeth's cell phone and all of the calls went straight to voicemail so the town of saint martin's missouri is a small close-knit community and hundreds of people came out to search for elizabeth and as the 21st rolled into the 22nd, you know, she still hadn't been found. So police start to check the location of Elizabeth's cell phone by pinging the phone, which would show, you know, at least where the phone is. And they got a location, but it was back in a wooded area behind Elizabeth's home. And this area was about 60 acres, this whole wooded area. So, you know, they, uh... They had a lot to search, so authorities brought in divers to search in the creeks and the streams, helicopters, cadaver dogs, and search teams, and they're searching everywhere, and sadly, the location of the cell phone stopped coming through as the battery had died, and as the search stretches out, police, you know, they, they had to start looking at different scenarios, so they, you know, kind of just assume by doing that that Elizabeth could have possibly been kidnapped. Um, so police receive Elizabeth's phone records and they find that the very last call received before she went missing and the searching started, you know, was from Emma's 15-year-old sister, Alyssa Bustamante. 
So police changed their train of thought from kidnapper to, hey, you know, we need to go through the last 24 hours leading up to Elizabeth vanishing. And they start talking to anyone that she could have had contact with or did have contact with. And they started with Emma, the friend who invited Elizabeth out to play right before she went missing. So Emma tells the child counselor that's interviewing her that Elizabeth had been playing outside with her. And after about an hour, Elizabeth said to her, hey, bye, I got to go home. And they both headed for their houses. Um, you know, they both wanted to go eat dinner and whatever. But the story changed to the girls were playing in the woods and Emma got, you know, she got stuck by a pricker bush and she screamed for Alyssa, her older sister, to come save her from the bush because it hurt and she wanted out. Um, but that uh, wasn't quite exactly what happened. So let's take an ad break and we'll be right back. Hey guys, our spotlight artist for October and November is Tanya Corbet. She is an Amy Grimy artist that when I say artist, I actually mean the thing she makes looks like art. They are fantastic. She has a horror cat collection that is amazing. And she has a pattern for a sandworm that is four feet long. And that blows my mind. So I think y'all should check her out. Um, go to Etsy and search for Tan Flow Con Crochet, which T-A-N-F-L-O-W-C-O-N Crochet. Ravelry.com slash designers slash T-A-N-Y-C-O-R-B-E-I-L. And Facebook.com slash F-L-O-W-C-O-N Crochet. Hope you guys have a great day and check out our crochet artist because she's awesome. Hey guys. So we have talked about how picky I am with my hair before. And if you've listened to my ads, you know that Allison Crawford had done my hair for a long time. Well, sadly, Miss Allie moved on. Um, she is no longer cutting hair, but she did put me in touch with someone who made me feel so wonderful. And I still like my self-esteem is negative 20 on good days. But when I look in the mirror now, I still might. Ooh, I look pretty cute. Um, and my daughter, Crime Kid, and I both cried when we got our hair done um, by her. It's just she's wonderful. Look for Cara Danielle at The Foilery, which is it. 217 West Center Street in Holly Springs, North Carolina. You can go on Instagram at C-A-R-A underscore D-A-N-I-E-L-E underscore H-A-I-R. And you can get a hold of her at 919-602-8962. And I 100 out of 10 recommend. So please give her a call today and go get your hair done and you can feel beautiful too. Okay, so Karen and Gary Brooke are Alyssa and Emma and their other siblings' grandparents. And they had asked Alyssa, hey, you know, have you seen Elizabeth the night that she went missing? And Alyssa told them that, you know, 
she had went home and, you know, hadn't really seen Elizabeth or anything. Um, and that evening, Karen and Alyssa went to an event at the church, so nobody really thought of anything of it. Um, and no one considered Alyssa to be a horrible troublemaker. And, you know, the Olton kids and the Bustamante kids always hung out, so it wasn't out of the norm. But law enforcement, you know, they wanted to question Alyssa. So since she was the last person to call Elizabeth's phone, um, you know, the, uh, the truth of Elizabeth's disappearance came to light. Alyssa was calm and collected and she told the police and the FBI, yeah, you know, that day I skipped school, but I only know Emma was playing with Elizabeth and while, you know, she was being interviewed, what looked like a freshly dug shallow grave was discovered back in the wooded area that was being searched. So FBI take Alyssa with them to check it out. And Alyssa told agents that, you know, oh yeah, I love to hang out in the woods and I like to dig holes and bury dead animals in them. So the FBI and law enforcement realized, yeah, that's, that's pretty weird. Um, it's not one of the normal hobbies to have. So they got a search warrant for Alyssa's house with the main focus being Alyssa's bedroom. So they go search Alyssa's room and discover the walls are covered in writing. And there is a drawing of a person covered with slash marks labeled Emma, which is, you know, the six-year-old sister and Alyssa is 15. So, you know, there's letters and cards taped to the walls. And aside from all this, there's so much odd shit on the walls. You know, authorities found a journal that I guess, you know, a teenage girl keeping a journal isn't that out of the ordinary, but what they found in it was, um, pretty disturbing. Uh, one of the most disturbing things in found in this journal was a paragraph from the day Elizabeth went missing. It was scratched out, but people at the forensic forensics lab, I swear to God, y'all, I can talk. Um, they were able to read this chilling entry and, and I'm going to read it to you now. I just fucking killed someone. I strangled them and slit their throat and stabbed them. Now they're dead. It was amazing. As soon as you get over the OMG, I can't do this feeling. It's pretty enjoyable. And I'm kind of nervous and shaky though right now. Okay, I have to go to church now. LOL. Um, yeah. So... <laughs> Alyssa is brought in to be interviewed again and they tell her, hey, you know, we have your journal. Um, we know what it says. And Alyssa said, well, me and Elizabeth were walking in the woods and she fell and like instantly died. Um, I'm not sure how you just be a nine-year-old and fall and instantly die. But anyway, the authorities you know, they explain the process of an autopsy to Alyssa and they let her know, you know, that once they find Elizabeth's body, they would know if she was lying. So the investigator directly asked Alyssa if Elizabeth's throat had been slit and she said yes. And Alyssa said, 
that she wanted to tell the real story of what happened. She said she got Emma to bring Elizabeth to her. And once that happened, she sent Emma home. Um, after Emma heads home, Alyssa tells Elizabeth that she wanted to show her something and to come with her. Alyssa held Elizabeth's hand as they walked through the woods. And nine-year-old Elizabeth was beaming with excitement because, you know, her friend's cool big sister wanted to show her something. And, you know, she's like, oh my God, it's so cool, you know. Um, but it really wasn't cool. It was a pre-dug grave that Alyssa had readied nearly a week before as Elizabeth and as Elizabeth faced Alyssa Alyssa grabbed Elizabeth's throat and started to strangle her uh, with her bare hands then Alyssa took a kitchen knife that she had taken from her grandparents house and hidden out in this area by the um the pre-dug grave and she stabs Elizabeth seven times in the chest before she slit her throat um, she pushed Elizabeth into the grave and covered her with dirt and leaves, and then she left. Um, <laughs> Alyssa led authorities back to this exact spot where she had buried Elizabeth. And it <sighs> now, okay, Alyssa had a pretty fucked up, um, life. So all of this just basically psychotic shit, um, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you guys about her early life. It's by no means an excuse for what she did. What she did to Elizabeth Olton was absolutely horrific. Um, Alyssa, this is her backstory. So Alyssa Daleen Bustamante was born January 28th, 1994. Her mom, Michelle, was 15 when she got pregnant with Alyssa, and five years later, um, Michelle had twin boys, and then a couple years after that, she had Emma. So, the family moved around California a lot, and they had an unstable family life due to Michelle and Cesar, um, the fathers. You know, they had issues staying out of trouble. I've seen reports saying substance abuse, um... But, you know, substance abuse issues and all this other stuff. But, um, Cesar was put in prison for assault. Um, and he was sentenced to 10 years. Michelle was having, you know, issues with substance abuse and she couldn't afford a rent. And so after a bunch of evic evictions, Karen and Gary Brooke, Michelle's parents, they find the family a place to live near them, but it doesn't help. Um, so... They thought it would help the kids since Michelle, you know, would be closer and they could help out with taking care of the kids and stuff. But Michelle had this air of, you know, oh, well, my parents are close by and she would just take off and leave her kids alone and neglected. Um, one day, Gary goes to check on his daughter and grandkids and he told his wife that the house was trashed, like horrifically trashed. There was no food. The kids were absolutely wild um and michelle was passed out in a substance induced stupor as the house fell down around her and of course the kids were completely neglected so gary and karen they had said fuck it and they petitioned for full custody of the kids and you know eventually they all moved to saint martin's missouri in the hopes 
that the kids can have a normal life and leave the trauma of their mom's neglect back in California behind them. Well, the kids, they, you know, it did help them to move. Um, they loved being out in, you know, where they lived. It was kind of a more, I guess, rural, small town type area. Um, you know, at one point, the grandfather had described all of the children as feral, but they did start to grow and become better. Um, now, Alyssa had a lot of trauma that, and she wouldn't confide in her grandparents when she was young. And she was first put in their care. Um, when she was first put in their care, she would act out. And as she got older, she began popping pills and having suicidal thoughts. And she was cutting at school. Alyssa was described as smart and sweet and just, you know, the bee's knees. She kept her grades up and she was friendly and she dressed in clothes that fit in the style of her peers. But in her alone time, that's when she showed the other side of herself. Uh, on her social media, she talked about addiction, depression. She had pictures of her own self-harm scars, which were, you know, they were visible on... <sighs> yeah, she she would show off her self-harm scars. Um, she had a YouTube channel and she listed her hobbies as cutting and killing people. Yeah. Um, people at her school were a bit weirded out because, you know, sometimes no matter how normal she tried to come across, sometimes Alyssa would ask them things like, have you ever wondered what it's like to kill someone? And a former friend said, Alyssa, you know, had confided in her that she wanted to know what it was like to kill someone and to watch the dr life drain out of their eyes. But her friends didn't take her seriously. Um, on the YouTube channel Alyssa had, she has a video of her urging her brothers to touch an electric fence. And it says something like, now this is the good part. My brother gets hurt. And, you know, to be fair, that's pretty fucked up. Um, she had also grabbed the fence in the video. So, I mean, she's not making them do something she didn't do, but it's still stupid. So experts during the trial had looked at the video um, and her other online posts and behavior and her actions. And they said that Alyssa has a sadistic nature and wants to hurt others. Um, and, but, you know, by the same token, they said it was brought that, you know, it brought Alyssa the same release and pleasure that she felt when she self-harmed when she was able to hurt other people. And by the time she was 15, she had, you know, around 300 or so scars from self-harm along with, you know, fresher cuts on her body. She had carved words into her skin. Um, and she had cut pictures into her skin uh, she bit herself and she burned herself. She had tried to commit suicide multiple times. One of the times saw Alyssa being put into a psychiatric hospital and being put on medication. Um, she was seeing counselors and was in rigorous outpatient programs to help her. So, you know, it's not like her family wasn't trying to get her help. But I think at some point... Um, it was almost like going through the motions for her because obviously what she did to Elizabeth is horrific. Um, 
So, Wednesday, October 28th, 2009, Elizabeth Olton was placed in a pink coffin that was carried by a horse-drawn carriage to her final resting place. Mourners wore pink and released balloons. Um, sadly, her older brother and her father were in prison for burglary. Uh, they did try to get furlough for the funeral, but their requests were denied. Um, so they never got to say goodbye to Elizabeth. Um, Alyssa Bustamante was charged with first degree murder and she pled not guilty. Like you led the police to your victim's body and you confessed like, are you a fucking Nimrod? Uh, so sorry. During the trial, Alyssa's backstory came out. Um, like I just told you about, she'd had all these issues, but Alyssa was certified as an adult and was tried as such. The judge said that the crime was so vicious that juvenile facilities weren't going to be able to handle someone like Alyssa. So adult prison would be the best option for her. Alyssa was taken to the Cole County Jail. She was held without bond until the trial. The trial was held in Jefferson County, Missouri. The, um, that's actually the, sorry, I had a brain fart, the, um, Capital County in Missouri. So the jurors were actually brought in from Greene County, Missouri. Um, they were kind of hoping to get an impartial jury. The prosecutors had taken the knife and Alyssa's clothing from that day for DNA testing and the test took the entire sample of what was there. Um, cause you got to figure this was, you know, over a decade ago. Um, so they didn't, they needed more DNA, um, and more sample evidence than what they would now. Um, and the defense couldn't do an independent test. So of course they were pissed about that. The judge ruled part of Alyssa's statements to police were inadmissible in court because they claim one of the interviewers used deceptive tactics to get Alyssa to tell the truth. Um, Alyssa stood by her not guilty plea until January 9th, 2012, uh, where she withdrew the not guilty plea and instead pled guilty to the lesser charge of second degree murder. This was a, a plea deal that, you know, sort of guaranteed Alyssa would go to jail and wouldn't have to go back, you know, she wouldn't be, by taking the plea, she wouldn't be able to go back for appeals and all of that crap. So, February 2012, Alyssa was back in court for sentencing, and the prosecution tells the judge that they want the max for the charge given to Alyssa, which is life without possible, or with possibility of parole. Um, an additional 71 years for armed criminal action. The figure of 71 years is based on Elizabeth's remaining life expectancy had she not been murdered. Um, you know, and she led a healthy life, just kind of general life expectancy. So the judge said that she would announce the sentence the next day. And Elizabeth's grandmother, who I think is an absolute badass. Um, Elizabeth's family definitely went through a lot of hell during this trial. So when her grandmother shouts... I think Alyssa should get out of prison the same day that Elizabeth gets out of the grave. I, I could have applauded her, honestly. Um, and I agree. I agree with the sentiment, uh, the sentiment. So Alyssa was sentenced to life with the possibility of parole. Uh, she tried to appeal that, but the judge, you know, told her that it was 
meritless and they upheld the sentence. Um, during my research for the case, I have found some pretty fucked up stuff. Um, oh, by the way, Alyssa is still in jail. Um, I honestly don't think she'll ever get out. If she does, then I will eat a hat. I don't really have a lot of hats, but I'll find one and I'll eat it. Um, but I think that's honestly the best place she should be. I hope that Elizabeth's family have found some sort of peace. The loss of their daughter had to have been the most momentous pain that they've ever felt in their lives. Um, you know, Patty, her mom was taking care of all the kids. Like I said, the dad and the older brother, they were in jail. Um, and they were serving the time for what they had done wrong. And Patty was taking care of all the kids and she was working and she was doing everything she needed to. And she had to go through it with just, you know, she didn't have her husband. She didn't have her older son there to help her. And, but she made it through and she stayed as strong as she could for her other kids. And honestly, I think that Patty is so strong and she is definitely pretty fucking awesome in my book. And I am so sorry for the loss of Elizabeth. And I do hope that they have found some kind of semblance of peace. But so, you know, like I said, during my research of this, I found some fucked up shit. There are fan pages and people that idolize Alyssa. Uh, they're petitioning for her to be released. I saw fan fiction like y'all need to chill the fuck out and get better role models. Let's be honest, because that's just that's vile. Um, you know, I don't understand the idolizing a person that murdered a young child just to see what it would be like. No, I, I don't get it. Y'all like, like Bailey Sarian says, get better idols. Um, so anyway, thank you guys for listening and join me for the next episode. Um, this next week coming up is Thanksgiving. I gotta be honest, I don't know if there will be an episode or not. Um, there wasn't one the past two weeks. The first week was my birthday. Last week was, it's just a lot of personal stuff going on. Um, but hopefully I'll get one for Thanksgiving week. I'm not sure, but hopefully after Thanksgiving we can get back to our regularly scheduled programming. So anyway, lots of love to all of you. Y'all stay safe and uh, get to hook in my gorgeous weirdos. Lots of love. We'll talk to you in the next one.